<laughs> Nothing's going your way. You've had a bad day. It's good to keep it simple. Michelle and Seth say take a deep breath from fade to gray. It's mental. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Mental. I know we're your favorite mental health podcast. You can admit it. It's good. We're okay with you saying that. Anyway, we are here today. We thought we'd liven it up a little bit in the month of December and talk about some success stories because there's far too many people that struggle a lot with their emotions and anxiety and depression and negativity during the holidays. So let's try and be positive. I am joined here with my fellow co-hosts. Of course, I am Michelle Collins. Everybody else, introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm PK. Hello there. (laughs) All right. This was an enlivening little introduction. (laughs) Lots lots of energy there. (laughs) That's okay. Hi. Hi. Well, I went to share and I, I was muted. So my beautiful sharing oh, no. was like muted. And then Seth was going and then all I had was on PK. <laughs> and I will just note, I feel a little bad because the intro says, welcome to mental with Michelle Collins and Seth Showalter. And I, I we have a new you. co-host. Yeah. So we just left YI. We're going to have a new intro coming to you soon. Because we have a third co-host, PK Langley, and we are just so happy to have you here yes. uh, and part of this conversation. Thank yes, thank you. I'm I'm happy to be a part and looking forward to talking about success stories. Yay! That's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> well, they should be. That's the whole point of success stories. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I'm sitting. I'm sitting here trying to figure out how we share this, Seth. I'm- I'm taking care Never of it. Never mind, I've got it. I'm get I'm getting everything shared where it needs to go. Uh-huh. But I yes, today we're going to have a conversation on success stories. I think so much, well, so much. So often in our society as of late, everything has been negative, right? It's been all of the stuff that isn't going right. And and I don't want to be political, but like even depending on which political side you're on, there's so much division in our country right now. It's hard to see the positive. It's hard to see the the good things that are happening. And so I think it's important as a podcast that we have a serious conversation on success stories right? Like that things can and will get better and that with the right tools and with the right support that can happen. Yeah. And I'm really excited to talk about that today. (laughs) Serious conversation. I I don't know. I think we should be allowed to laugh and talk and smile if we're talking about success. So it doesn't have to be somber and serious. Well, I'm serious is the wrong adjective (laughs) whenever i'm on this show there's somewhat of a serious nature to it because we're talking about mental Mental health health, yes of course Mm -hmm. well are we gonna start with mental minutes or are we just gonna jump right into this i already know what seth's gonna say we we should never see i knew should never (laughs) he was gonna disavow he was gonna disavow so (laughs) no we should oh you're saying we shouldn't skip them and i think that we should totally have one uh, I just, 
I'm 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 a bit emotional today, so it's going to be interesting what I say. Okay. But to kick this off, let's let let's do this. Let's check in with everybody. Michelle, how are you doing? I will be honest and say that I have felt kind of heavy even before Thanksgiving. Kind of, um, but that's not unusual, and I know that's not unusual for a lot of people at this time of year. Um, the holidays come with a lot of expectations. They come with a lot of uh, interaction uh, with family. And, of course, that's always a mismatch of possibilities. Of course, this year we're not able to see much family based on the restrictions with COVID and whatnot. Uh, so for some people, that's causing, you know, some, I don't know, some heaviness, feelings of loneliness or whatnot. I never really have a good reason for mine. I just know that it's kind of like a little gray cloud comes in and kind of moves in for a few weeks. And so I have felt that a lot over the last week. And I don't like to be a doomsayer. So I don't want to say it's going to get worse, but it's going to get worse. That's just how it goes at this time of year based on on how uh, I've experienced it in the past. So I'm trying very hard to do those things that are helpful to me. Uh, you know, my, my obvious schedule being very structured is very helpful for me talking with my children. I've, you know, had a few conversations here and there over the last few weeks, especially over Thanksgiving. So that's helpful. I, I need to get outside and take more walks. I think that would be beneficial as well. And I spend a lot of time with my dogs because they make me feel happy. So it's, I'm just trying to find those things right now that are actually uplifting and encouraging and will help with the blahs. So that's kind of where I'm at. Who wants to go next? You know who's going to go Peaky. next? Because no? Seth always yeah. goes last. I know. Yeah. So, <laughs> so do it. Just do it. <laughs> he's, he's the gentleman. I would say for my mental minute, my wife and I have been together for a wonderful 22 years and going on 23. And we are, I live in a bubble. So uh, recently we've been allowing other people into our bubble and it's caused our bubble to be a little wobbly. So... Oh. You know, I'm realizing what a beautiful, strong foundation that we have in our lives and how chaotic other people's lives are. And so, um, you know, it's, it's part of me enjoys being a, a hermit. <laughs> me too. <laughs> because, because, you know, I, I'm just such a contradiction in terms because, uh, when I was a kid, I would say, I want to live in the, in a cabin in the woods away from humanity. And then another part of me <laughs> just desperately wants to be around people. So I would probably get right. out there and need to live. I need to live out there six months out of the year. And then the other six months I can be around people. Uh, cause I think I need my fortress of solitude. And mm -hmm. I, I think eventually my wife and I are going to have that because we're planning on living in an RV and I have uh, 860 days to go on, on that uh, journey. <laughs> uh, when we launch, uh, it's right around there. Um, so it's, it's been difficult lately because we've had to make a lot of adjustments, you know, just, just letting people into your universe is hard when you're used to being stable and everybody around you seems to be so unstable. And life, huh? Life, <laughs> life. <laughs> well, because human beings, you know, I mean, yes, exactly. When you're interacting with human beings and you're not used to being around them, because my wife and I, we can sit in the same room and not have any drama. <laughs> and so when you get around other right. people, there's like all this, you know, uh, 
there's construction efforts that go on when you're building new relationships with people. And it's a lot of hard work and it's a lot of effort. And sometimes you sit yeah. there and you go, God, do I really want to put in this effort? But at the same time, to build things beautiful, you have to make that effort. So uh, I just have dreams and desires to see good things happen. And to do that, I've got to put forth the effort. So I'm I'm holding myself to task and and making myself <laughs> forcing the issues. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and standing by. And, you know, I used to say I feel like a sow without too many teats, you know, oh. <laughs> when I was a pastor. Oh, my. there's a visual. Yeah. Yeah, when I was a pa- when I oh was a my. pastor, because you know you always feel like you're having to give out to all these kids, and it's that's how it feels when your world is stable, and then you're you're interjecting with instability again. And it's not so much the human beings; it's just interacting again. If I could, you know, formulate right. that, it's just interaction. Right. It's not the human beings; it's interacting. So we're, we're dealing with that. And to make a long story short, we're adjusting and, you know, don't get to go anywhere for the holidays because Florida in two days had 17,000 cases of COVID. Good Lord. In two days. You know, 17,000? 17,000. I just read something this morning about the differing states and what changes they're making. Yeah. And as I was going through the list of states, it got to Florida and it said, no changes. (laughs) That's because no mask mandate, no changes added. Yeah, this is very much, uh, you know, a a not doing nothing kind of state. Mm-hmm. But in the area that I'm in, they're very much against that. So they want those, you know, mandates mm-hmm. uh, in the Tampa Bay area. They want that. So, but it's hard because you go out in the community and you hear people grumbling about it. You know, we were we were trying to do a little bit of Christmas shopping, and there's a lady at a counter, and she's going, "These dang liberals." <laughs> So they're going, we don't talk about this stuff in public, guys. Haven't you gotten that yet? <laughs> yeah. So we're yeah. trying. Well, my state's not acting any changes either. So, I mean, no mask mandate. Uh, the governor the governor wants to leave it up to the individual mayors for mask mandates. So, But, but you mean to tell me that it's <laughs> public health and public safety has now become a political issue. Yes. that lady said those damn liberals it's like mm-hmm. n- this this sh- <laughs> this, this but we're supposed to be. be talking about positivity so like in the midst of that we are trying <laughs> yeah. to think about the holidays and when i get happy i sing christmas songs so i'm actually deliberately trying to sing christmas songs to stay in that mode and and telling my yeah. wife to get out the christmas stuff this weekend so that we can hang a few things on the wall cuz we don't have a christmas tree this year cuz we sold our house and everything to downsize so we are trying mm-hmm. to stay in that positive mode that's the end story success stories you know positivity yes i've just noticed everybody around me like as soon as they, like i think on thanksgiving afternoon after everybody ate they went out and decorated for christmas cuz i walked outside and went what the heck just <laughs> Boom. I yeah. feel behind now, and, and I'm not even good at decorating anyways. <laughs> so now I really feel like I have to step up my game. Wow. Wow. So, we'll see. Yeah. Anyway. We're in a- Seth has to share. Yes, you do. Seth has not shared. I have to share. So I think that this is the by either it's the byproduct of being mentally ill, or it's <laughs> What a immaturity. way to start out. Or it's just the story of my life. But have you ever I'm like crazy. lived your Hello. life and then, you know, there's one problem 
with this group of people. And then then you continue down the road, and then there's another problem with this group of people. And then you continue on, and then there's another problem with this group of people. And in every single one of those instances, you are the problem? Because that's been my week. And I just, uh, I just, uh, I'm here, and I just, I care, but I mess up, and I'm not perfect. And I just feel like I'm in this state of self-sabotage, because I think that's what I did. I think I self-sabotaged myself with a group of people recently, and it's... um, This is cyclical for you, Seth. Oh, 100% it is. Oh, I hate when I say that. It's a <laughs> it's a pattern. Yeah. It is cyclical. And I have got to, at some point, really look at this because it happens over and over and over You know again. what I say, and Seth? I'm just, I'm just sick and Seth, tired of I it. say therapy is good for everybody. I think that every single yeah, human know. being should be in therapy, at least. And I've been... <laughs> keep going i think you have to find the root issue i think that's what it comes down to what Mm -hmm. is what is the root that is perpetuating the cycle you know which isn't always easy to find in all honesty and so it's but i know this beating yourself to death over it is not beneficial either no because we like to punish ourselves okay i've been way too much I've done something wrong, so now I'm going to punish myself. And here's the punishment. I'm going to take away my PS3 for three days. (laughs) Yes. I'm thinking about drifting away from Marco Polo for a week or two. Are you going to be capable of that, honestly? Uh, No. No. (laughs) I I I just don't see high high success for that. (laughs) I even told the Fadecasters that, and I'm like, no, this is probably not going to happen. Because that'll be going to last about a day. I'm saying that, but like managing the fade to gray stuff is like top priority for me. So yeah, it won't last. (laughs) But anyhow, that's just where I'm at. I'm just at a place where I'm in the punishment stage where I'm just living in a a state of regret and, and wishing things could be better without knowing what to do. So I think that having a discussion on success stories is an excellent thing to do this morning yes it is would you guys agree yes of course absolutely okay that's that's why we said that's what we were gonna do (laughs) (laughs) absolutely absolutely yeah i mean mental mental health can be like such a fun field because you you get in it because you have a compassionate heart and you want to give to people and you get beat up every day every day and there's so often you know just the daily grind of it. And, and so often you don't get the kudos, but then that one client comes around or, you know, even in life, you know, where you give to people and you give to people and then you just have that one person. Like I, I had somebody say just recently, you know, I wanted to quit. And then that one person came back and said, this was great. So off I am running again, you know, it, it can make such a difference in, in your life. So, uh, but I will, I will start with, with a fun story. There was a lady whose name, uh, was Mary and I knew her over 20 years ago. So this is, this is an easy one. And Mary was blind. And when I met Mary, Mary was working in uh, a labor shop, basically 
like a sweatshop. It was horrific conditions because Mary was blind and was putting uh, little teeny weeny rubber bands that look a lot like those rubber bands that people put on their teeth when they're getting uh, braces. You know how small those are? Right. Uh, she was putting those on O-rings and it was a production based oh. payment. So if Mary was Aww. lucky, Mary would make maybe a quarter in a two week period of time. Wow. Okay. That's what she was doing. It was a day program and they were paying them for that. And, and so mm -hmm. being blind and trying to put those little teeny rings on these cones and she was doing that. So when I saw her, I was like, you know, sometimes you just get this catch in, in your heart and you got to pay attention to it. And I was like, this is just not right. This is so mm -hmm. not right. So I started advocating mm -hmm. for Mary with my boss. And I said, we've got to do something about Mary because Mary shouldn't be in there. Mary intellectually was, was you know, uh, mild, mildly, co she was cognitively a little bit behind, but not that bad. And so Mary could have a full conversation with you and, you know, no problem. And it was just that Mary was blind. Mary lived in a group home with uh, four other adult women and one would bite her or scratch her without her knowing that she was coming. So she lived in fear. Okay. So there were two yeah. issues in Mary's life that really disturbed me. So I said, let's start working. So I, so I started pecking at it and Eventually, I got my boss to agree to letting uh, Mary work with us. So then I went above her and I said, look, uh, my boss has agreed to let Mary work with us. I will train her and work with her and she can get the mail for our entire building and she can walk and I'll, tr I'll train her uh, the route and she can go and collect the mail every day and then she can work as an assistant. Well, we can't pay her. Well, fine. She can work as a volunteer. I'll pay her. I'll give her, you know a quarter every two weeks. She'll make, you know, she'll make the same amount of money she's making now. No big deal. So I advocated for her before, before long, Mary got into our office and was working with us. Eventually, uh, we advocated for Mary to get a salary and Mary got minimum wage working in our, in our environment. And over a period mm -hmm. of time, Mary got raises and eventually yeah. Mary, uh, went in with another woman and got their own home. Wow. So uh, today, uh, Mary lives in uh, Florida and not in this area, but Mary lives in Florida and has a well-adjusted life, has a job, still working for the same company. It's been over 20 years. And wow. she is a, a wow. valued member of the team and has something that she can be proud of. So that's, a, su that's a success story from A to A to Z. Yep, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I, it's amazing to me and astounding to stop and think about what poor really looks like. You know, we even even in our in our country, I mean, we have a lot of poor people that live in poverty, but even still compared to the rest of the world, there's a very large difference in in what that looks like and how that shows up in life. I can't imagine a quarter every two weeks. I mean, Come on. I mean, give me a break. That's, that's just not realistic. It was ridiculous, ridiculous. Yeah. But just because she was developmentally delayed and just because she was yeah. blind, she wasn't worth anything to them, yeah. you know, and it was acceptable that's to stick so her in a day program and, and, you know, somehow that was acceptable for them. You know, they didn't see her worth. 
Right. Mm-hmm. How sad. But. But what a great ending to the story. Yep. Yep. I still have a, yeah. a picture that Mary drew for me to put on my wall. Yeah. I still have it. She colored it. And it was just, you know, like a couple of different crayon colors, you know, and she signed it. And uh, it's precious to me. It's in my chest of memories. <laughs> That's a great That's awesome. story. <laughs> it really is. And it shows the what support can do, Right. Because it wasn't like you went from helping her having nothing to having everything overnight, right? right? It was small steps. It was getting her to out of that place, right? And having an opportunity to make a little money. And then once that happened and she established herself, then she was able to apply for a salary. And, and with the advocates, obviously helping with right. that. And then eventually being able to meet someone that she can then have a home with. Like... The interesting thing in that story is the impact of support and how things progress and get better over time. And even if we personally are working on things, it's we, we should have goals that we're looking forward to. But remember, it's step by step. Absolutely, because Mary drove and me nuts. It's one foot in front of the other. <laughs> Did Mary, she? Mary Did drove she? me nuts. I mean, I would show her something. I did yeah. Braille on all the mailboxes and everything, and I'd have to show her over and over and over and over and over again. And she would s- still say, hey. Hey, hey, what about this? You know, or she would, Aww. or she would pester me while I was trying to work and I would have to be patient with her, you know, and remind myself, you took on this job. Don't give up on her. Don't quit on her. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there were times when she tried even my patience and I thought about quitting and I thought maybe it was a mistake and I thought about giving up, but I didn't. Right. And I'm so thankful right. I didn't give up on her. You yeah. know, because she has a quality of life that she never would have had, had I not noticed her mm-hmm. in that day program. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of that's part of what we should be looking for every day. You know, I know in the church atmosphere we call things like that divine appointments, but but I do think that's accurate because I think that if we slow down and not center on ourselves so much, but we're aware of our surroundings as we go about our day that there are those opportunities to have a positive influence in somebody's life, or even if it's just for a moment, you know, to take right. the time and listen to them and and to share with them a little bit of yourself. And in return, I think you get so much back if you just take that moment to notice. Mm-hmm. And I think, it, I think it's very rewarding. And especially, you know, as we're talking about this time of year, I mean, there's so many opportunities out there to really be a positive impact on somebody else's life, but more important, I don't know, I don't know about more importantly, but just as importantly, allowing them to be a positive impact on our lives, which is a great gift. So what about you, Seth? You got a success story? Oh, I, I thought about this quite a bit. And and the truth of the matter is for me, in taking stories every day, call after call after call, working for a crisis line, and then working for an employee assistance program, things just all run together for me. It's so hard for me to really recall specific stories, but there's one that does stick out. And I don't know if you can really call this a success story, but it was when I was working for the crisis line, we had an individual that would call daily, daily, um, and, and say, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to kill myself. 
And having a conversation around this was often a, a little bit difficult because you could never really convince this individual otherwise. And so what ended up happening is we ended up calling the police all mm-hmm. the time. How frustrating. Had, I mean, we, right. We requested safety checks on, on this individual almost daily and it became a serious issue, right? We're wasting resources. And what would happen is pol- police would go to check on this individual and this individual would run. Mm. There's literally a story in which they found this individual in a park and and this individual ran away and then fell down a hill and then required both mental health emergency services as well as medical emergency services. Right. And what we had to do was instill some type of safety plan where we established strong boundaries. And in collaboration with her mental health providers through the local community mental health agency, we're able to get this individual connected to a case manager, a counselor, a psychiatrist, and a DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy group, um, on a weekly basis. And I worked with this individual in the follow-up realm for quite some time. And as I was able to build rapport and, and having those proper supports, this individual didn't call us every day anymore. Mm. Which is a win. This individual didn't need it. Yeah, it's right? a win. Stabilization, man. It is a win. It's stabilization. And, and that's what I like to talk about. When we talk about success, just like I brought up in PK's story, it's about support. Whether it be whether it be support through um, a mental health provider, even a primary care physician, but even our family and our friends. Um, having that support makes a world of difference, and that's what moves us forward. And so when we talk about success, that's what I always want to point out, because it seems to always be at the crux of every real success story. It's not just the person, it's who else is involved. Right. Yeah. That's kind of like when I look at like uh, photos, you know, of the past mm-hmm. uh, for me, the photos that mean the most to me are the ones that have the people in it, not the, the scenery. Right. <laughs> it's the ones that, yeah. that have the people in it that mean the most. Well, yeah, the scenery pictures, pictures, you know, you, know, you always take those because they look, oh, it's so beautiful. And then later you look at it and you're like, yeah, okay, whatever. Because you're right. It's not, there's nothing there to really draw you to it now without the person in there or the people. So, yeah. (laughs) All right. Some more success stories. Let's go. I'm not therapeutic. So you guys have to, you guys have to throw these out. I don't know. I don't know if it counts as a success story, but when I was an intern, I, uh, I interned at a place um, that specifically served sexual assault victims. Uh, whether that be through domestic violence groups and as well as individual therapy. And I was working with an individual who had been um, sexually abused. This individual also had intellectual disabilities Mm -hmm. that made it even more difficult. So being able to communicate and really intellectually help them, I, I, I struggled. And so one of the ways around this I found was I used a pot illustration like a flower pot and I had her I had this individual break the flower pot Hmm. and then glue that back together 
to illustrate that, yes, life can shatter us. Life can make things very, very difficult. But with the right support and the right tools, we can put it all back together. And yes, it may not look like it did before, but now it is unique. There's no other flower pot like that now. And not only that, but due to rebuilding it, it now is more resilient and kind of use that as an illustration. And this individual over time stopped experiencing flashbacks, mm. was able to start functioning um, in everyday life and communication with this individual's family increased tenfold. That's awesome. Isn't there? That I thought was a pretty big win. Isn't there? Um, I've, I've seen. I probably have seen this a million times, and I'm not recalling it well now. But isn't there? It's like a Japanese custom or something about inlaying stuff with gold that's broken. Yes. And increasing the value of it, even though it's coming from something that's broken, it's now become more mm-hmm. valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you've heard of that too. It's not just me remembering ran- yes. right. random stuff. Okay. No. Right. There is. <laughs> no, there it's is. true. So, and, and when I think of success stories, I think of even familial, and it doesn't have to be, you know, something in a therapeutic setting. I had right. a, uh, a client that was assigned to me. His name was uh, Earl many, many years ago, African-American guy. And they put him in an apartment that was in uh, a two-story building. And Earl... Uh, He was interesting when I first met him because Earl was a middle-aged man and he was wearing a a t-shirt that was cut off midline so his belly was sticking out, which was pretty round and pot-bellied. And (laughs) Earl had uh, shoes on that were split in the back and his heels, his bare feet, he did not wear socks, his bare feet were on top of the back of the heels of these shoes. And I was a budding, you know, case manager at the time. And Earl kind of had a flashy sense of style about him. And so the first thing I did was go out and make sure that Earl had new clothes. So I got him uh, new T-shirts and a new pair of shoes. And the next time I saw Earl, he had uh, cut those shoes in the back. And he was standing on the backs of those shoes. And he had cut the T-shirts in the middle (laughs) so that his belly was sticking out. (laughs) He had a style. so... I quickly learned that this was not because Earl didn't have the appropriate clothing. It was just Earl's style. Um, And then uh, one day I had uh, gotten a call that Earl was outside sweeping his porch naked uh, in the middle of the city. And so I quickly got in the car and ran over there and said, Earl, what are you doing, Earl? You know, and he said it was hot. So I went in and he was right. His apartment, 120 degrees. And I looked at his thermostat. It was all the way up. And I said, Earl, why did you turn that up? And he said, I was cold. And I said, okay, but this is too hot. So I I realized when I looked at the backstory that Earl had grown up in a household of like 15 children And um, so I looked in his refrigerator and he had like a humongous batch of chicken that was green that was sitting in his fridge, you know. Um, But Earl, (laughs) Earl was the one that was cooking for his entire family. 
So that's wow. all he knew. He didn't wow. know how to cook just for himself. Right. So he was used to cooking for the entire family. And when they had moved him into this apartment, all they had ever done was moved him in there. They didn't realize that this guy had lived out in the, you know, out in the boonies in a, in a house and he had never handled a thermostat. So for Earl, off was off and on was on. Oh my so goodness. He didn't know how to handle a thermostat. So on was 120 degrees. <laughs> and and so you know um i i learned and the success story was me in that particular situation because i mean earl had had tourettes and earl would walk down the street and he would be cussing up a storm and throwing his arms everywhere and and it would put it would put people off pretty quickly and i remember like pulling mm-hmm. over one time and going earl get in the car get in the car Earl. you know <laughs> and and uh once uh he told me he said i got this check and like i gotta go see if i can like cash this check so i took him to a check cashing place and he got so anxious that it set off his tourettes and he's in the oh, no. in the line in this check cashing place and all of a sudden the tourettes hits and he's oh boy he's winging you know and everything and he's cussing <laughs> and he just cleared out that whole place in seconds you know and then and then they kicked him out and he came back to the car and I said, Earl, let me look at this check. And it had been one of those stupid dummy checks that they send you in the mail. Oh, no. You could get, you know, $20 <laughs> off if you subscribe, you know. Aww. So I felt bad for Earl because he thought it was actually money, you know. So, I mean, Aww. I learned in that relationship, the, su- the success story was me because I grew and learned from him, you know, that if you get to know a person, then you get to know why their proclivities are the way they are. Right. And he taught me how to be a good case manager. He taught me how to really explore a human being and get to know them so that you know why they do the things that they do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because if I had not gotten the backstory on Earl, I wouldn't know why he had a humongous tray of molding chicken in his fridge. You know? <laughs> I wouldn't have known why he didn't understand the thermostat because he couldn't communicate that to me, you know? Right. Um, so... That was, to me, one of the greatest learning experiences of my life, Earl. He, he taught me <laughs> he taught me a lot, but, I mean, he'd always make me chuckle because he was just so different. Uh, he'd, he'd make me smile. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that was, that was a good one for me. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's a good story. Yeah. I don't, you got to find the humor in things like that, too, though. You know, I mean, it's... People are just people. They're their own little individual selves, you know? And so sometimes it may look bizarre and really out there to us, but that's just who they are. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I love the fact that he cut off all the t-shirts that you bought. <laughs> like, Can you I imagine like the look on my this face is, when I walked me. in? <laughs> <laughs> when I walked in and saw him, my face just dropped. I was just like, what, what? happened here? <laughs> Oh and he goodness. had added like a flashy hat and a big old bug-eyed oh. pair of like sunglasses to awesome. that outfit, and I was just like, "Oh my god, Earl, what are you doing?" Yeah, he was he was fantastic. I don't know. I find I find that I'm somewhat jealous of that sometimes. That ability to just be who you are and not worry about what anybody thinks, because I think it's far too easy to get wrapped up in in being afraid of what other people's opinions of you are going to be. And then you end up tempering yourself, and that's a disservice. Any, I think it's a disservice to humanity as a whole, personally, because I think each one of us is unique and brings something amazing to the table, and we should do that. You know, oh, absolutely, and not worry. absolutely. 
Well, I mean, when I first encountered African culture, I was talking to a man and he would belch mid-sentence while he was talking to me and just move on like it was nothing. And I remember <laughs> being so like aghast at that, like, how do you do that? How do you just burp while you're talking and it's not a right. big deal, you know? <laughs> I was just I was so tripped out by that, you know? Gosh, I wish I could do that. Like, yeah. I mean, even in my household, passing gas was faux pas. You know, you can't, yeah, of course. Yes, can't do anything <laughs> like that. You know, that's just a nightmare. And, and you know. Uh, Be polite. And, and there are other people that I was so envious of in my high school days that could do that without even like, and, and everybody thought it was awesome and amazingly funny, you know. Yeah. But for me, that was mortifying. That was just like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> you know. So I I wish uh, I wish we could be more authentic with each other. Yeah, uh, yeah, it would it would be fun. It's it's funny. I find and and this has been pointed out to me over and over and over. My husband constantly uh, is reminding me of this. For whatever reason, I have a tendency for perfect strangers to walk up to me in public and start telling me very deep details about their lives just yes. out of nowhere. And, and I don't know, I, I know it's something about me that, that allows them to feel comfortable doing that. I have no idea what that is. But I, years and years ago, had a woman, like you said, Earl taught you something. She taught me something about myself. I was standing in a grocery store line and, and you guys both know I'm very introverted. I don't, I'm not out there going, Hey, how are you today? And what's going on over here? And I'm like in my own little world. I just want to be left alone. And this woman is standing in front of me and you know how they have like the tabloids along the the grocery store checkout yeah, line. Yeah, And I think it was the National Enquirer was there. And this was years and years and years ago. Um, it's when Elizabeth Taylor had a brain tumor. And mm. so I'm standing there. I'm in my own little world. And there's this woman who is standing in front of me. And she picks up this National Enquirer. And I remember seeing her do this out of the corner of my eye. And she turns to me and she says, isn't that sad? Elizabeth Taylor has a brain tumor. And I looked at her and I said, oh, yeah, that is very sad. And I went back to what I was doing. And she puts the magazine down and she stands there for a minute. And she turns around and looks right at me. And I noticed that. So I look up at her and she says, my daughter just died from a brain tumor. And I'm like, oh, oh my God, what do you say? Like, I'm immediately like, oh, my Lord, what do I say here? I, I this is... I'm in a grocery store line. <laughs> and and I looked right. at her and I said, I'm so very sorry. And she's like, yes, me too. And she turns around and she goes about her business. And I'm standing there in a state of shock. And she walks out of the building. And all of a sudden I thought, that woman needed something. And I'm standing here like an idiot. <laughs> like in my own little shocking world, you know, shocked world. So I finish what I'm doing and I go outside and I'm already berating myself. Like, how could you be so dumb as to miss that? Uh, or, you know, what is wrong with you? And I get outside and she's outside and there's a she's got her grocery cart and she's fumbling with her purse. And like, she's very disoriented. Like, she can't figure out what she's doing. And I walked over to her and I said, excuse me. And she turned around and she says, yes, what? Did I forget something? And I said, no, I did. And she said, what? And I said, are you okay? I said, because you just shared something really, really personal with me. And that seems a little unusual. And I just want to know if you're okay. And she broke down, I mean, tears immediately just started sobbing and grabbed me and hugged me. Mm -hmm. And she's like, my daughter just died and I miss her so badly. Aww. And I don't know what to do. I just feel like I'm struggling all the time. And I, of course, have no words to say to her other than I'm so sorry. But I just let her stand there and cry and hug me. And 
That was enough. Then she wiped her eyes and she smiled and she said, thank you. And she walked away. I don't even know what her name was. Wow. And she just walked away. And I got in my car and I sat down and cried. And I thought, oh my God, I just sat there and cried for like a half an hour. Like, I, I messed that up. I, you know, was berating myself once again. And then I was reminded that, no, you followed her and you asked and you gave her what she needed in that moment. I don't know what else she may have needed that day, but right then, you know. Yeah. And so she taught me something like, don't be afraid like, don't be so centered on yourself that you miss what's going on around you first and foremost. But don't be afraid to just be that small thing for somebody because that's important too. That was beautiful. I love that. You know? I, I still think about her all the time. Like, I don't even think she knows how much of an impact she had on me. Wow. Because that was just so shocking to me, you know. So when people tell you things like that, they need something. They're looking for something, you know, even if it's just recognition. They sense that yeah. you're open yeah. to it, you know. I don't know how she got that because, like I said, I'm a very closed-off person. But apparently it was something that she saw. So it happens a lot. It's not necessarily what you say. Right. It's just the fact that you were there. Right. Available. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe I reminded her of her daughter. I don't know. I didn't even ask that. But I, I wondered that later on. If maybe she felt like she could mention that because I reminded her of her. Yeah. Or something. Who knows? I've In the moment, you never know. I've always been the, uh, a, a Catholic pe- uh, priest for people. Like I always like yeah. Pe- people. Yeah. People confess the weirdest <laughs> yeah. things to me that I've yep, never me met too. before. So I totally identify <laughs> with that. I mean, I literally went out with a friend to get some chapstick chapstick. That's all I wanted. And she ends up confessing that she's having an affair on her husband. And I'm sitting oh there. Oh my gosh. I'm, oh my I'm gosh. sitting there and I'm going, I just wanted some chapstick. I just, I just wanted chapstick. That's all I wanted is chapstick, you know? And she's just going into this big detailed thing. And I'm sitting in the parking lot going, I just wanted chapstick. Just, yeah. But I mean, I, I think that people sense when you are open or, you know, available for that, that type of thing, they, they pick up on that because, right. I, and my wife, my wife is witness to that all the time because she'll just, she'll just go, people, people talk to you and they tell you stuff. And I'll, and we'll go into like the bank, we'll sit down with a bank person and they'll end up like confessing all this stuff to me. And my wife will look, she'll just look at me and she'll yep. go, it's happening again. <laughs> yeah. My husband's the same way. He's like, this happens to you yeah. all the time. I'm like, I yeah. know, it's bizarre. I just, I just think it's that opening, you know. They sense that that opening is there yeah. that, you know. So I identify with that, Michelle. That's a great I story. Know. I love it. it really I love is. it. It's a great I, story. I'm also amazed. I, can yeah. I share another one? Yes. Uh, <laughs> again, a grocery store because, you know, that used to be just my life. I had four kids, so it was there or a sports field somewhere. But, of course, I, I've shared often before that, that I really struggle with depression. I have since I was a young teenager. And uh, I remember standing in a grocery store in line one time and there was a lady in front of me and she was just singing. You know, like I said, people just do things like you wouldn't think to do. She was just standing there waiting her turn and she's just singing. She, I don't even remember what she's singing, but she's just singing. She's got a big smile on her face. And uh, she turned around and she looked at me and she said, excuse me. And I said, yeah. And she goes, um, that song is for you. And I said, what? <laughs> 
I, I hadn't even heard the song. I just knew she was singing. She was, yeah, that song was for you. Um, I'm also supposed to tell you something. And I said, yeah, okay. <laughs> and of course, you know, I go to church, so I'm used to that kind of atmosphere or whatever. And she's like, yeah, I'm supposed to tell you something. She says, I know you have a fascination for sunflowers. And I was like, oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> I, I, I think they're the weirdest looking flower I've ever seen in my life. She goes, no, they're actually very positive. And I said, in what way? She goes, well, they're a lot like you. And I said, how is that? And she says, well, the stalk is very sturdy and it, it it's very strong. And then the flower, as it opens each day, it turns every day to find the sun. And that's supposed to be what you do. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and then she was like, okay, have a great day. And off she went. And I was like, I really needed to hear that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like, oh my gosh, okay. And it's funny, if you walk in my house now, there's sunflowers all over my house. I never would have had them in my house before then, but I have them everywhere now because it's a reminder of what she told me because I said, I think that's true. I am a strong person and I have a tendency to be really hard on myself, but if I just follow the sun every day, then life is brighter. It's it's more open. I like that. And I, I know maybe it doesn't make sense to anybody else, but it made a lot of sense to me. And uh, so, yeah, it's had a lasting impact. That's been you. a lot of years and years ago. What's that? What's behind There's sunflowers behind oh, you. Oh, I know. There's the, always sunflowers. Uh, I have them in every room of the house. <laughs> there you are. So, anyway, so sometimes it's us that needs somebody to not be afraid to say something to us. You know, it's not always about them needing something. Sometimes it's about us needing something. Yeah. You know, and being open to that is beneficial to us. Absolutely. So. I love it when somebody speaks into my life. I love it, man. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't happen yeah. enough. I, I really like it when somebody yeah. does that for me, <laughs> you know, it's, but, yeah. but you know what? It's always when I want to quit. It's always when I want to give up. It's always when I've said I've had enough of this that somebody will come in and they'll say, what you did for me mattered. What you did right. for me really helped me. And then I'll go, okay, I can, I could do this a little bit longer, you know? And so, well, we all need affirmation. Uh, I mean, some of us more than others. I'm an I'm a words of affirmation person. That is my love language. If we're going to go there, but everybody needs affirmation to know that they matter and that they're important. Yeah, everyone. So, yeah. So, all right, more stories. We got any more stories? I met Joey when I was in Virginia, and um, I was working for a company. And my job was basically to find jobs for people that could not find jobs. And Joey had cerebral palsy that it had affected the whole one side of his body. And they told me, there's no way, you know, I mean, we've, we've really struggled with this guy to find him something because his speech was affected. He wore glasses. He walked with a limp. His arm was, was crooked on the, on the one mm -hmm. side. I met Joey and uh, Joey was a young man, uh, only like 21 years old, just a cut up. I mean, had quite the sense of humor. And it took me a little bit of time to understand him uh, because of his uh, slurred speech. But I took my time with Joey and spent time figuring out what we could do to find a job for Joey. And the one thing that he told me that he loved was he was a mascot at his high school uh, for the football team. And he loved that. And that thing made Joey yeah. shine. So I said, you know what? <laughs> Let's go back to that school 
and uh, let's see if we can get you in there on a janitorial basis. So uh, got him in there, got him an interview, and the lady that was the head of the crew was very, very, very hesitant about hiring him. And I said, look, I am going to work side by side with him. And I will be here every time he comes in for two weeks. We'll, we'll just do hand over hand type things, you know. And it was, it was literally a fight to integrate him with that team. They did not want him there. Mm. They said he worked too slow, yada, yada. And for two weeks, man, I advocated for Joey with everything I had in me because this kid was a beautiful kid. And, uh, Joey just, he laughed it off like it was nothing. Joey had like a, 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 a doorknob on his car so that he could drive his car mm. and uh, uh, didn't really have uh, any friends, but was brilliant with computers. And, uh, and Joey tried. He really tried hard. And at the end of the two weeks when we did the review, um, I managed to really get that final oomph and got the boss to actually give him a 90-day uh, trial period. And I kept going mm. in and going in and talking and, and rehashing any issues that they had. And we would make adjustments, yada, yada. And Joey kept trying. And Joey didn't miss one day of work. Wow. And uh, Joey got the rehabilitant of the year for the state of Virginia that year. And Joey mm. went on to work at that school for 20 years and never wow and never missed one fucking day of work that's not one not one and joey (laughs) has stayed my friend on facebook all of these years and grew one (laughs) heck of a west virginia style beard that man did (laughs) um but boy oh boy what an incredible success story and loves being around kids and, you know, invested in the kids in that school and became a staple at that school. And just just an amazing success story of what a human being can do if you just give them time and patience and uh, see yeah. them for who they are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I said, everybody wants to be seen. Everybody wants to be to know they're valuable in some way. So... You know, it's yeah. I'm honored to have been just a part of his story. Yeah, yeah. of course. But he did the work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't help but I cry on that awesome. one. I can't help but cry on that one because I was so proud of him. I was so proud of him because yeah. he worked so hard. Janitorial work is not easy. It's not. No. And he worked hard. Uh, you know, with a handicap, he worked hard, and he made it. 20 years, and he didn't miss a day. I've got an awesome picture of him accepting an award for that. Rehabilitant <laughs> of the year. And, of course, uh, awesome. the guy that I worked with uh, took all the kudos for that. But I don't <laughs> I don't. But you know, and he you knows. Know, it was, so. it, it, you know the it truth. Was, That's what It matters. was Joey that did that to me. It was Joey. So uh, that is an awesome success story. And that's heartwarming, yeah. man. That's like chestnuts on an open fire. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it's those kind of stories that you can see the difference it's made in somebody's life. You know, there's there's measurable, measurable, observable success, yep. uh, or you know what we term as success, but that makes it all the more endearing. And 
more personable to people, mm-hmm. you know? So it's amazing when you can have that longevity with somebody and see those changes over the course of their life. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love mm-hmm. it, man. I, I love that I've been in this field long enough to be able to tell stories like that and, you know, look back and see, you know, people right. that have had that kind of stability, you know, and say, hey, this does this does work when you invest in somebody's life. So I guess the message is yeah. let's not look at somebody's deficits. Let's look at their strengths. Let's play to their strengths. And, you know, because all of us have weaknesses. So for me, I, I can easily get spun out on focusing on somebody's weaknesses and get frustrated and get angry and all that because I'm human. But every time I turn myself to focus on their strengths, that's when the compassionate part of me, the part that loves deeply and can support somebody, that's when I, man, that's when I click in. And that's when I'm at my my best is when I'm going, you got this. You can do this. I don't care who you are or what you've got or what you didn't get dealt with. You can do this. And I don't care, you know. Uh, what we've got to do, we can make this work. And that to me right. is the, is the quintessential beauty of love. That's what love is at its heart. Yeah. I Amen. just went all preachy. <laughs> you did? Oh, that's okay. <laughs> I don't mind it. Yeah. Preachy's okay. <laughs> uh, well, there's something satisfying about, you know, looking back and remembering successes, there's something satisfying, not only for those other people, but for us in that knowing that you got to play a role in somebody else's success, even if it's one that's not widely known, you know, there's, there's a sense of satisfaction that goes along with that. And it it makes you feel as though you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, Mm -hmm. you know? And like I said, I don't have that therapeutic experience that you both have, but I have to imagine that you've both felt that at some point that, that sense of I've made a a difference here, you know? And I think often that, like you said, we tend to look at where we've fallen short, where we may have missed the mark or didn't help the person the way they needed it. And, and we lump those together and define our success based on those instead of finding those success stories or, you know, even the small successes within those larger stories that are hard, you know, and sometimes that's, that's beneficial for us to go back and remember that. I was chatting, I was coaching with a lady yesterday and uh, she was struggling with what I was having her do. And and she's like, I'm not going to be good at this. I'm not going to. And I said, okay, well, what did you do today that was good? You know, that followed what we were talking about. And she was able to come up with something and she's like, oh, I didn't even think about it. I did do this. And I said, right. I said, so I want you to get out a journal. I want you to start writing down the things you've done right each day, according to what we're working on. What have you done right? And I said that, you know, the weaknesses are going to happen, but let's concentrate on the strengths and let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other thing, I'm going to challenge her with this because I used to challenge my kids with this, specifically one of them. He would come home very negative and I would say, you're not allowed to tell me anything negative until you tell me three positive things that have happened for you today. And I mean, they have to be significant. You can't say, well, I didn't die today, you know. <laughs> You can't, you can't use that as a positive. It has to be something truly positive. And uh, what I found is that by the time he got to the end of the three, he really wasn't in a mood to complain anymore. And so I think that ruminating on success actually breeds positivity within us, you know, that we're able to then pass on to other people. So it's, it's the right focus, especially right now at this time of year, I all year, but specifically right now, this, it seems this like. This was so good. 
This was. was so good. I think it's yeah. so important for us to to highlight the positive. Yeah. I, I think I think it's so critical. It's too easy to get into the negative. It's too easy to hear, you know, the 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 negative speak around us all the time, or even the word our own words in our own mind. At the at the risk of on a Sunday morning sounding very profane, my husband has a term for that. Uh, he calls it K fuck radio. And he's like, you need to turn off K-Fuck Radio. <laughs> it's that negative voice in your head that's constantly telling you where you're messing up. <laughs> turn right, that off. <laughs> right, right. Switch the channel. <laughs> Always makes me mad when he tells me that because usually he's right and I just don't like it. But <laughs> it's very it's very true. We have to really focus on the positive, I think. so. Absolutely. Well, I've loved our stories this morning. I've loved a pick-me-up to my morning. Yeah. As far as positivity goes. What about you guys? Good for you? Yes. Yes, it was good. PK? I'm feeling feeling good, feeling uplifted. <laughs> well, that's good. Well, I want to thank everyone who's listened to this, this episode, whether that be on Facebook Live or via the podcast. I do have some exciting news as we close out this episode we have actually started a hotline. Yes, we have. And what I mean by that is there is now a number. <laughs> you can call and leave us a voicemail where you can ask any mental health related questions, suggest topics that you would like us to cover in future episodes, as well as perhaps even seeking feedback on an issue that's happening in your life. If there are things that you would like us to talk about, please give us a call. That phone number where you can leave a voicemail is 314-690-5005. Again, that phone number is 314-690-5005. I'm pretty excited about this. Yeah, I'm not going to yeah. lie. I think it'd be and cool. I think people should call in and leave their success stories. Things that have made felt made them feel uplifted i think that is a great idea and we'd be happy to highlight some of those absolutely so again that phone number is 314-690-5005 and also anything else we should advertise before we close out well we're always available on facebook we have a the mental uh facebook group you're absolutely invited to come join us there and to spend some time in conversation asking questions or leaving comments that are helpful to us we would appreciate that as well and for our patreons you of course have our undivided attention in the marco polo group so if you're interested in that you can become a patron of mental podcast and get in on those conversations and our bonus material that seth so wisely produces and puts in there for us Yes. And also, I had put it on a private feed, and it's all been released now on Patreon, and all that's been taken down. So it all is now behind a paywall. Oh, I was like, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm, ex I'm excited about that. Um, our personal trauma and all of that, you have to pay to hear. So if you would like to hear that, please uh, check us out. Patreon.com backslash mental podcast. Um, as Michelle mentioned, you can access us on Facebook as well as Instagram. Instagram. And we, we are part of the FTG network. And if you are so inclined, please check out the FTG network Facebook 
where you can find a plethora of other podcasts that you may find interesting. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye, everybody. (laughs) Bye.